0: Welcome to The Wonderful World of Dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com.
1: Hi, this is Savannah Saunders and today I'm excited to be talking with British choreographer Theo Klinkard about his new piece created for the Cuban contemporary dance company Danza Contemporanea de Cuba Who are embarking on their UK tour throughout February and March, showcasing their hot fusion of traditional Cuban and contemporary dance. Hi Theo, thanks for joining us.
0: Hi, thank you for calling.
1: So, firstly, um, as a British-based choreographer, I'm interested to learn how you became involved with the Cuban company.
0: Yeah, so I met with the um, managing director and the woman who at the time ran the British Council Department in Cuba about a year and a half ago. So they came to meet, I think, about 12 British-based choreographers. And uh, my memory of that day is that I walked into the offices in London and uh, it was at the end of the day. So they'd just been in back-to-back meetings and uh, they both looked so (laughs) worn out that I was like, are you okay? And uh, ended up having a really lovely chat with them, mostly about their organization rather than me massively self-promoting. I was just curious to know what what they did. And um, we just had a really great connection. And I think based on that, uh, I guess energetic connection and the fact that I'd recently made a piece for the Pina Bausch company Mm -hmm. and the fact that I teach a lot as well um, because the invite was to go to teach workshops for the company and local choreographers as well as make a piece. Uh, I think I seem like the right man for the job.
1: And the piece that you've created is called The Listening Room. Tell us about the piece and what inspired The Listening Room. Yeah.
0: So I'd um, mostly been making work for my own company, so i have been making work only for five years, and this, uh, on the back of the Pina Baruch Commission, was one of the first times I was working on a much bigger stage. And uh, this time round, because I was going to work with 20 dancers and I knew there was going to be in bigger theaters, I wanted to work for the first time, actually, with a really big piece of existing music. So I found this piece by Steve Reich, which is called "Vibration," uh, <laughs> vibrations, variations for vibes, strings, and piano. I think that I've got that right. Okay. Um, and uh, I came with this concept because I only had three weeks in Cuba. And the first week was teaching. So I essentially had two weeks to make a half hour piece, which is absolutely insane. But it was the only time I had available because it was quite last minute, the commission. So it was a bit like, can I set up a approach? I wouldn't even call it really a concept, but can I set up an approach to working, which means that I can tap into who those dancers are and in a way host them on stage. So The idea that I came with was that the audience would listen to Steve Reich and that the dancers would have headphones on stage and be dancing, expressing, interpreting lots of different pieces of music. So what the audience see on stage and what they hear are somehow dislocated, but uh, that the work still really connects with them. So the performers are very much connecting with their audience. It's just that what you hear and what they hear is different.
1: So, yes. Cool. Sounds like a, a visual and an audio challenge almost, a bit of a
0: Exactly. So it was like, how can I make a situation? Can I make a dance piece that's like a situation so that the audience are essentially implicated in that situation? They are invited to witness and be curious about how this is operating as a piece of work rather than let's say create the dancers being the large piece of music so rather than it be a big visualization of the music i wanted to make it appear that the music was being played to their dancing rather than them dancing to the music a bit of know,
1: a, you do, yeah. Sort of like a reverse experience where the audience has a responsibility to participate almost.
0: Yes, exactly. So I've been making work on a much smaller scale and really celebrating proximity and detail and connection and empathy with the audience. So my challenge with this was how can that kind of elastic connection work across a bigger space in a way, which sounds counterintuitive in terms of this uh essentially a sonic wall on stage. But um, because the performers are so incredible and able to really play within the context of this piece, I feel like there's a kind of um, almost uh, infectious quality that they tap into that the audience really feel very vividly.
1: And what was it like working with those dancers who have that fusion between the traditional uh, Cuban dance and contemporary dance? Did it does that change how you experience working with them, their movement, their physicality? What was that like?
0: God, it was absolutely incredible. So the first thing uh, I noticed was that you know there's a company of I think 25. They come into the studio and they kiss every single person in the room, kiss oh. and hug everyone in one by one so it's just this massive kind of just love fest that you kind of enter into and then they go through this really rigorous I mean I was teaching them a bit as well but when I saw them do their traditional Cuban technique it's the, some of the hardest dancing I've ever seen really? so they're kind of it's rigor and discipline and strength and dedication like I have never ever witnessed anywhere else but then so the balance I always think of this kind of Control and chaos, if you like, in terms of how I watch and perceive dance and dancing, the balance of them with that, uh, let's say, Cuban nature, that spirit where dance is so massively integrated into their lifestyle. You know, you walk the streets and there's always music playing, there's always people dancing. Yeah. But then the rigor and discipline of that technique, which they are trained in, that company fosters, creates this amazing kind of combination in a way. So I was able to come in and kind of. If you, if you like tug tug at the carpet shake things up and be invite them to play knowing that they've got that absolute kind of grounding and foundation that the company gives them does that make sense
1: it, it, it does um and i'm sort of interested to learn about how you would sort of describe your uh, usual approach to choreography um is it as you have done with this company, going in and producing a piece with the dancers or do you go with a specific set idea with some set choreography? What's your approach? Um,
0: it really depends on the on the context in a way. I suppose, um, so like working at Pina Bausch, I was coming into a situation which had a very uh, loud history, if you like. Anyone who watched that commissioned piece is aware of her history, is aware of those dancers even. So that was a very particular context to be coming and making it. And then equally being in Havana is again a very loud or very, present context. And I think that's something I really enjoy working with and um, pushing against, or it becomes a parameter in a way. So those commissions are slightly different from working with my own company where I've invited a particular cast of dancers to come and work with me. And I know that I'm touring certain theaters in the UK. Um, so it really depends. And what I'm trying to not do as I, I've only made work for five years, but trying not to set up a particular formula so that I guess the only constant is that I would come in and there's a large amount of unknown. So it's about me establishing with the cast of dancers a essentially a safe space for them to be experimenting and also for me to be experimenting. So. I'm now making work for my new company, and that's exactly where I'm at at the moment. I'm kind of like waiting and allowing the piece to emerge. But with the Cubans, because I had such a short space of time, I kind of need to come in with a, a plan more okay. than I would in other contexts. So this idea of this differentiation in the music um, was something that I prepared in advance and proposed and kind of partly crossed my fingers while I was there going, I hope this works. I think <laughs> this is going to work. Uh, whilst, you know, to be quite honest, the people who ran the company were a little bit skeptical going, ah, oh, how is this actually really? going to on stage? But then when it was in front of the Havana audiences, I think they were kind of comforted by the fact that it got an amazing response, partly because these brilliant dancers were really able to fly. It wasn't about me controlling them. The piece isn't about me controlling them on stage because they've got their own control and they've got their own uh, spirit, as I've said. Mm -hmm. And it's about tapping into that so the audience can meet the dancers while I almost stand to the side. I feel like I'm a host (laughs) to let them all meet each other.
1: And did you experience a difference between the uh, Cuban audiences and the audiences back here in the UK?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think there was something interesting in Havana about um, I was really aware of kind of certain codes uh, of conduct which are just codes in theatre in the UK so Mm -hmm. maybe there's a bit of chatting or there's people eating like I saw um, the premier of Carlos Acosta's company the same time I was there they premiered their new piece and uh, I was next to two older women who were both eating their dinner while they watched and it was just brilliant because I was like yeah of course like this is a place to to be and to experience you know how you you like I think that uh, yeah it was fascinating so I've only, the piece has only been performed three times while I've seen it being performed. Um, so I'm just really curious to see how UK audiences respond to it. Cause I was really making it with, with them in mind as much as the Havana audience in a way, like what, what locally might be, uh, a given in a way or familiar, mm-hmm. like, uh, the way that these people use their bodies. I know that, that, um, is different over here. So, you know, we don't enter the studio and kiss everyone in the morning, just when we don't have that kind of yeah. culture in the studio or outside of the studio. And I think what I realized after, once I left Havana was that the spirit that I thought was particular to the company is particular to the whole country. So actually there is something which is Cuban. It's not just the company, but it, it, it's, a, it's in the nature. It's in how they have existed. And maybe part of that has been this, shelter, if you like, they've developed their own codes or their own resource, you know, the idea that people are not on the internet, they're not playing video games, they're out on the street intergenerationally, you know, the, the grandparents are on the step, the parents are cooking, the kids are playing football or dancing in the street you know it's, it's just the daily <laughs> it's the daily practice
1: like you say it'd be interesting to see how the UK audiences react but I'm sure they'll absolutely love it um you've only as you say you've only been choreographing for about five years how did you yeah. first get involved with dance
0: and um, so I I went to see Sleeping Beauty at the age of six and uh basically fell in love with the witch <laughs> And and then my parents were like well you could go and do ballet once a week and initially it was felt very disconnected from that experience that theatrical experience you know kind of suddenly learning a kind of right and wrong or a certain form but meanwhile I was always dancing around at home to Kate Bush with fabric and being much more (laughs) expressionist and I suppose that my whole career has been some balance between learning forms and learning discipline and tradition and then also subverting it and finding my own way and I suppose that is the kind of perfectly echoed in the work that that I make now in a sense going between those different kind of states so I was working I was uh, sorry doing class once a week from 6 till 10 and then went to away to ballet school from uh, 10 to 16 went to Elmhurst ballet school when it was still in Surrey and then on to Rombert school I got into Royal Ballet upper school but after two classes of being actually having my turnout forced and uh, being in a very old school way actually Mm -hmm. i think i was pretty headstrong at 15 and just went this is not for me and realized that the creative experimental world of contemporary dance was going to allow for myself to flourish i suppose that i wouldn't be in a situation of fitting in adapting to Existing forms or uh, lines, you know, but um, finding my own way and tapping into that Kate Bush child.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and throughout your dance career, you've performed with such a wide range of incredible companies and, and mm. performed incredible works. You know, great choreographers mm. from Matthew Bourne, Wayne McGregor, Random Dance, Senior Dance Leader Pina Bausch, like you say. Um, how has this influenced your choreography and and your company?
0: It's interesting. <clears throat> I think that um, it's a little bit hard to kind of pin down. I think that there's been uh, a really broad range of influence. Uh, though all of those things are in my body. Like if you think of the body as an archive or as a store, it stores all of that. It stores those coordinations. It stores those approaches to performing. And I can't uh, shift. You know, they are they are me. If you like. But when I went to start choreographing, there was part of me that was thinking that how can the work that I make not only be uh, a sum of the experiences I've had, how might I think differently so that I could also be engaging in a current conversation, if you like? How could I tap into what questions other choreographers might be asking across Europe and uh, make sure that the work that I was making was kind of of the moment, Mm -hmm. if you like? Not that those people are of the moment, but... I guess taking a little time to understand what might be, um, I wouldn't call it a signature, but other people might, like mm-hmm. what might my thing be. And at the time that I started making work, it's, there was an interesting shift from a lot of people who'd be making what some would call more abstract contemporary dance of the 90s that I kind of was born in, graduated into. Um, A lot less of that was being made, a lot more dance theatre was being made in the UK, or more narrative-based pieces with very strong subject matters, rather than people looking at the form, um, the kind of formal principles, and um, I suppose I was thinking, I need almost to get back to... Knowing that dance is enough in the way that I wouldn't listen to music and his value system be in, oh, this sonata seems to be about food, therefore it has its oh. value. It's like this sonata is this sonata and it tells me something I don't identify through the meaning and understanding of it in a kind of cognitive way, but it, it changes my body. My body feels different as I listen to it. So I could dance. I don't, often works in that way that it's not me kind of getting it understanding it being able to explain it if i could explain it it would probably be better as a book or a film or documentary so tapping into what is special about dance particular from other art forms and that's what (laughs) made me want to start making work
1: and you've now set up your own company tell us about that
0: yeah so about five years ago um a little bit kind of lost with who I wanted to work with or where I would find the work that I felt connected to, I, um, I decided to just get into the studio with a group of dancers. I applied for some Arts Council funding and it was, I'd been waiting for a long time. Like, I don't have something to say. Like, I don't have a piece. Like, if you think about all dance pieces having to say something, you might never make work. And I thought, if I just put myself in those conditions with other dancers who I am inspired by, what might emerge how might that feel and actually within two minutes it started to self-generate so literally the first two minutes were like terrifying like asking a group of people have never been on that side of the room like can you do this or how would you move if i suggested this and then within two minutes i was like oh my god this is exactly what i have to do for the rest of my life like it was just absolutely like this is so difficult and challenging and and that's what I need. Like I need to kind of bite on something which is intuitive, I suppose. So that was about five years ago. I did research and uh, around about that time, my mum had died from cancer. So there was also this oh. uh, sense of getting on with it, you know, like, mm-hmm. wow, just be brave, get up there, make a mark. If you fail, you've looked at the darkest possible thing in life. So what is failure now in that context? Actually, relatively, it's like, oh, that's a bit of a flop, like move on. So it was a bit like I found courage and I made a piece called Ordinary Courage, partly as a result of that kind of self mantra, but also Mm -hmm. the piece looked at uh, the kind of the terrain that we navigate through loss. So it was a kind of very personal, essentially expressionist piece, but really told through the body. So I guess I was thinking about how, if the knees give way, what does that tell us that, hearing someone talk in a microphone about their emotions might be reductive actually my interpretation of someone's knees giving way can speak volumes because it leaves space for me as a viewer to bring my own experience i suppose so looking at how i might talk about something uh, specific through the body and and uh, then three years ago, I made a double bill, which was chalk, a piece I perform and still do perform with my composer, James Keane. And then a group piece called Of Land and Tongue, which draws on foreign words that don't translate directly into English. So yeah, a, a piece called Of Land and Tongue. So it, it draws on foreign words that don't translate directly into English. Uh, Komorabi is a Japanese word, sunlight filtering through the leaves of trees. So I was looking at these phenomena and experiences and sensations that we all have experienced, we all know, but we don't necessarily have the, um, the terminology to explain or easily articulate.
1: Um, and
0: Sorry, keep yeah. going. That's all right. <laughs> now we're making a new piece. So I'm in the middle of making my first piece for larger stages. So I've got 12 dancers and we're making a piece called This Bright Field, which will um, premiere in May. And tour across the UK in October. So it's the on the back of the Pina Bausch and the Cuban larger scale work. It's the first time I'm making work for my own company, which is going to some of the same theatres.
1: How how very exciting!
0: Very. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so with your own company now and working with some fantastic companies around the world, what is your sort of vision for your for the future?
0: Wow. Um, so what is what is becoming there's a word practice which i did, didn't really i connect with or identify until about 2 years ago and it's a it's a term we use a lot now in contemporary dance but it's relatively new i didn't i never studied academically i have no theoretical training I, i've just been dancing since I was 17 when i started with matthew bourne so it's really uh-huh. been a practical physical engagement with the form rather than analytical theoretical but as i as i understand it uh, practice for me is is a uh, it's one of empathy. So it's seeing how the body might communicate to another body, the dancer to an, the person to another person. What might information and communication might there be through the body, which may be what other people might be really addressing the uh, the stimulation of the eye, the impression on the eye. Like wow, I didn't know the body could do that, or like dance being. Uh, attended to through time because it's impressive, or other people might be dealing with it because it's very heady and smart and wise and clever. And I guess there's part of me kind of going, what does, what can happen through body to body empathetically? How might I think about myself in the world differently by what I experience through performance? On, performance, I suppose, performance on stage. So <clears throat> that's been the kind of thread through the works that I've made, even through the listening room as well, the Cuban piece. But the, uh, the focus at the moment is on this new company work, which will tour and hopefully kind of help break into an overseas uh, touring circuit. I'm really kind of trying to desperately grab Europe mm-hmm. as we seem to float away as an island. I'm like,
1: no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God, completely. I'm way back to the connection uh, network, which is… Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that there's cross-influence and that I can be with the other, you know, with difference, yeah, with diversity, together. rather than creating a bubble for ourselves yeah. and uh, it's desperately sad state that we're in. And I, I guess this I field is partly looking at that political context. I can't be making work in a void now, you know, it's I'm really trying to work out where we are at. What is it to make work now? What is contemporary now in this current climate? And not having made a work for eight months, that's eight months when the world changed.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's really part of the, the new work. Yeah. Um yeah.
1: It, it will be really interesting to see how your work responds to this new world in which we are unfortunately entering um, and that question all about uh, you know, what is contemporary, you know, what, what, what are we trying to articulate through dance, what are we looking to experience as an audience member and where do we want it to take us and where are the boundaries, it'll be exciting to see.
0: Yeah, it's for me. It's also about building community. It's about how can how can dance in the way that it asks you to sit with a group of other people to witness something which is not uh, easily or working in a specific working with specifics. You know, it's open ended and it's left for your interpretation. And often it might be revealing itself through duration, but to be there with other people witnessing something like that, that is live, is something which is, in terms of how we receive media, just so rare now. And I think with the new work, there's something about, like, I don't know, somehow fostering community and because I'm working with 12 on stage, I'm also thinking about what they can represent and will will always represent, whether I like it or not. So how am I going to present the individuals on stage as a collective and how does that work politically? What message does it send out? How might I think about it differently? What is it to do in unison? You know, what is that? Like, <laughs> there's just so many yeah. questions at the moment about what that might be reflective of. And is that the message I want to put out? You know, how do I leave room for diversity and what message does that send out? You know, it's everything is heightened, I suppose. Our reading is heightened. Um, The next piece I'm thinking to make is one which might not be performed for 100 years. So it's this new idea, it's a very seed of an idea, which I'm telling you as the first person in the public domain. <laughs> I, f- <laughs> I, f- I, I feel privileged, the- honestly,
1: I do. <laughs> it sounds like something uh, about to go into a time capsule. Tell me all about it.
0: Almost, it's like make, having a process, making a work, which is, I would tour a lecture demonstration of the process, this piece would be taught on for a hundred years between students and teachers, possibly like in an education that. institution. And that it would, I would be setting up connections between, uh, people passing on a work. I'm thinking of it being like the sleeping beauty, mm-hmm. uh, Project or something like that, that it's a, the piece is a, it publicly asleep for a hundred years, but that it's um, a bit like the way ballerinas would pass on their roles. Yeah. That is working verbally rather than using technology. Could you pass a work on through maybe every five years? It's passed on to someone else, who passes on to someone else, and set up all of these human connections that I won't know about and I won't control. And that in a hundred years, this work would be performed for the first time, perhaps presented alongside a video of the piece as I've made it with the dancers. Um, so a piece that can adapt, you know, what if it? What if one instruction was dance the next section to whatever you find on the radio at that time, so that every five years that would sound different and what would radio be in 100 years? I don't know, like, to also think about empathetically, what is that audience in 100 years? Is there gonna be one? Is there gonna be a thirst for contemporary dance in 100 years? What political setup have we got now? What seeds are there in place, foundations? would allow for there to be a dance scene in 100 years. So it's a, free, looking-
1: a, a free dance scene, <laughs> uh, as, as, if, as in uh, the freedom to create as opposed to a controlled environment. Who knows in 100 years what the Gosh. arts would look like? I think I have to say that this is uh, an astoundingly brilliant idea and <laughs> I think it will be a really interesting and important um, experiment to see yeah. how how the arts will be translated between generations, and how when it's finally revealed, perhaps in a hundred years it will make society question itself or ask questions of how they got to where they are. And
0: exactly, I think I think there's this thing of time. I just know at the moment to think in a different time frame, a much longer time frame, feels somehow emotional to me because it's in one sense hopeful. You know, it's. Mm. Uh, it makes you question where we're at now and what what's in place that might, you know, I don't know, it's, it's an odd time to be living in. And I think that the more that I respond to and reflect the bigger picture rather than work within a kind of dance bubble or arts bubble or liberal bubble, mm-hmm. you know, how can I be looking outwards to make something which is still personal and reflective of me, but that is not existing within a, yeah, in, in its navel-gazing way (laughs) I
1: I think you should definitely do it for for what it's worth (laughs) I think that would be a really interesting uh, experiment I I do Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's also also for
0: me about like making something very small having made a big piece for 12 dancers to also just disrupt that expectation that now that's what I do like this next piece for my company and the Cuban piece you know it's not like I'm now expecting to have landed on that scale like mm-hmm. it depends it's interesting for me based on the project I suppose that's also a thing for me like to, to zoom into something much smaller with a small audience might feel like the right next step
1: to do something slightly different yeah yeah well look there's one final question I, I, I want to ask um, that I yeah. always like to ask uh, when I speak to amazing uh, creators like yourself it's about what advice you would give to other aspiring choreographers um, mm. that uh, or words of wisdom that you would pass on like you're talking about with this potential piece to the next generation who <laughs> would listen to you and think well you know perhaps I'd like to to be where he is one day
0: God it's a massive question i have loads of thoughts and i might ramble but um, Feel free. I, think that <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something about getting politicized at the moment. I mean, not that all work has to speak politically, but just to know where you're at in the bigger picture, I suppose, what your thoughts are, that your reading might be as important as your tonjus. You know, that your... <laughs> tonjus? I haven't done a tondue for years. So to <laughs> <a few> <laughs> <back>. <laughs> but uh, uh, engaging, being an engaged human, being an engaged citizen, just mean that we don't... Uh, separate ourselves or I don't know, as soon as I say this I start to think about the extreme and the opposite but, you know, there's there's a variety of work that can be made, you know, all work has to be politicised, but just to work in an engaged, outward-looking way, but also to kind of work from the personal, I suppose, and that you're listening to your own you know, I guess to see as much work as you possibly can to understand the field, but then also to kind of listen to what makes sense for you. You know, I think that I was stalled for so long by kind of going, what have I got to say? I have to have something to say. Maybe I don't. Maybe just by being a maker, working in dance is already something in itself in this day and age. And I think that, I, I just had to kind of listen to what I needed and what I needed to make. And I think that I can attend to audiences and I can be mindful of, of their experience, but also make something which feels true to myself and it will find its audience. So I suppose through time I've developed an interest in what I do. And I think that that's as much about the performances as how I engage through social media, what I share, the thinking that I share. There's a great book called Seniors. um, I'm sorry, no, a a book called Share Your Work by Austin Kleon, which talks about um, how you engage with other people, with the artwork that you're making, uh, and to differentiate between the sharing and the self-promotion. So there's a way in which you can, it it challenges this idea of genius and Brian Eno proposes seniors that we work within a scene we we work within an interconnectedness with other artists and our our audiences um and yeah i suppose this kind of inward looking outward looking thing and uh be brave it was only once i kind of bothered to be brave or felt the strength or the necessity to be brave and get on with it that i started learning really learning, I suppose, in all ways (laughs) about who I am and what I wanted to make and how that might be necessary and important in this day and age.
1: Well, being brave (laughs) and, uh, you know, being true to oneself and creating work, that's important. I think – Yeah. Anyone listening would be inspired, as I am, with uh, with your oh, final words of, of wisdom thank there. You. Thank you so Thanks much so. Um, <laughs> for chatting with us today, Theo. And for listeners Thanks, um, so. who'd like to learn and see a bit more um, of Theo Klinkard's work and about his company, go to theoklinkard.com, that's Theotheoclinkard dot com, and of course, get along and book your tickets and see the the listening room uh, coming up in the UK February and March by visiting danceconsortium.co.uk Look, thank you so much, Theo, for chatting with us today. It's been absolutely wonderful. And uh, hopefully I will get along and uh, see the piece as well. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you, Savannah. Thanks, bye. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you will love us. Join us on Facebook and
1: Twitter.